Let's turn our Bibles to 2 Kings. And we want to talk about Reformation Day today. Reformation Day. Kind of a Reformation Day overview today. And uh, we've never done that exactly before. Uh, But anyway, Reformation Day. And why is Reformation Day today? Well, because it, it, it was a turning point. In 1517, October 31st, 1517, Martin Luther, the guy in the film that was given out, he nailed his 95 theses on the wall, on the door of the church in Wittenberg. And those were 95 theses against the practice of selling indulgences of the Roman Catholic Church. And it snowballed and snowballed. There was a lot of things going on before that, which we'll talk about, and a lot of things after, but that was a turning point there, the 95 theses, the 95 propositions, uh, that he didn't think it was going to do much of anything when he nailed those on the church door. But God took them and used them, and there was the greatest revival in the history of the world, I I. I would say, the greatest revival in the history of the world, at least in scope, in magnitude, the greatest revival was the Reformation there of the 16th century, of the 1500s. And so we have as we are, our title of the message this morning, The Bible is Found. The Bible is Found. That was the great thing with the Reformation. The Bible was found. And last week we talked about prayer. And those are the two big things, prayer and the Bible. We speak to God in prayer, God speaks to us in the Bible. And you know, there are times in history when the Bible has been lost, and people don't know hardly anything about it. And all they know about is traditions that have been passed down to them. And most of those traditions have nothing to do with the Bible, really. And you know, you talk to a hundred different people, how do you get to heaven? And you're likely to get a hundred different answers. But the answer that is right is the one that's in the Bible. And that's God's word. Let's bow in a word of prayer. O Lord, we pray that thou would just speak to our hearts through this study of the Reformation. In Jesus' name, amen. So we're in 2 Kings, chapter 22. Chapter 22 of 2 Kings. And starting with verse 8. And here we have in, in 2 Kings, we've been going through the book of 2 Kings. Uh, we're not up to this place here. We're just going to see a little bit here of what we're going to see in the future in 2 Kings. But here, it was a time in history when the Bible had been lost. The people didn't really know about the Bible. All they knew about was the traditions and ceremonies that they had kept on keeping. And so we have verse 8 of 2 Kings chapter 22. And Hilkiah the high priest said unto Shaphan the scribe, I have found the book of the law in the house of the Lord. See, that was the great thing. He found the book of the law. And it was like something that nobody had ever seen. And Hilkiah gave the book to Shaphan and he read it. And Shaphan the scribe came to the king and brought the king word again said, Thy servants have gathered the money that was found in the house and have delivered it unto the hand of them that do the work, that have the oversight of the house of the Lord. 
And Shaphan the scribe showed the king, saying, Hilkiah the priest hath delivered me a book. They didn't know anything about it, basically. A book. And Shaphan read it before the king. And it came to pass, when the king heard the words of the book of the law, that he rent his clothes. That he tore his clothes, being upset. That was a sign of being upset. He heard the words of the book, the words of the Bible. And it's a great blessing that we have the Bible. And we might say to begin with, you know, the thing is, is that not everybody in history has had the Bible. And we have a great blessing having it. And we need to use it. You know, they talk about uh, reading. He who will not read has no advantage over him that cannot read. And you know, we need to read if we have that uh, ability, and we need to read this book, the Bible. Well, anyway, we go to the Reformation, back in 1517. And before that, and we're remembering history, here we have history in 2 Kings, we're remembering the history of the Reformation. And before the Reformation, the Roman Catholic Church was all-powerful, completely powerful. And they told everybody what to do, where to go. They told the kings what to do. The great story was of one of the kings having to go in barefoot in the snow up to the Pope to ask forgiveness. And he was a king of a great country. And so, you know, it was all powerful, and everything was run by the traditions of the church. Now, not everything in the Roman Catholic Church was against the Bible or not in the Bible, but so many things were extra-biblical. They weren't in the Bible. And they were teaching those things. And the first thing they taught was that salvation is by works. And you got to do works to get saved. And you never know if you've done enough works, and that's how it is with every false religion out there. And we're not saved by works, we're saved by grace. It was nice here that Bob put in the bulletin this uh, blue sheet here, and it's got the five solas of the Reformation, and onlys, the five onlys, Scripture alone, faith alone, grace alone, Christ alone, and glory to God alone. So those are the five solas, and those are things that came out of the Reformation. The Reformation, the reforming of the Roman Catholic Church, the reforming of the population, where people went back to the Bible. Well, of course, Martin Luther, what really upset him at the very beginning was indulgences. And indulgences, the Roman Catholic Church was selling indulgences to finance the building of St. Peter's Cathedral, there in Rome. And you can go see that cathedral today. It cost a lot of money to put that up. And so they had this thing of indulgences. And the Pope would authorize indulgences. And so what you would do is you would pay money to get years off of purgatory. And of course, the thing is, the Bible does not have purgatory. There is no purgatory in the Bible. They came up with that on their own. And, but anyway, and they, they had that doctrine of purgatory that people, after they die, they have to pay for their sins some more after they die. 
and it could be a matter of thousands of years to pay for their sins or whatever it is. And, and then you could get some of those years off of purgatory if you did certain things. And if you went up the stairs on your knees, you got years off of purgatory. Or if you uh, looked at uh, relics of the church, the blood of Christ, or fragments of the cross, or all these things that really weren't genuine at all. I mean, you had as many fragments of the cross to make ten crosses, and, and they had uh, you know, blood that supposedly they had from centuries and centuries ago and whatever. But anyway, but if you looked at those relics, and if you, you know, did all these different things you would get years off of purgatory. Now, the, all these false doctrines had crept in, and people were just practicing them. And they had the worship of Mary had, had crept in. And you know, the thing is, uh, Mary was blessed, but she was not sinless, and she's no one that we should pray to. You know, people act like, oh, well, I don't pray to Jesus, I pray to his mother because his mother is greater than him, or somewhat anyway, or his mother can tell him what to do. But no, the Bible has this, Jesus said to Mary, woman, what have I to do with thee? He wasn't giving her any special, really high standing. He respected her. She was his mother, but uh, not being sinless or anything like that. And so the Roman Catholic Church would keep everybody in line through the use of excommunication and interdict. And individually, a person would, if they got excommunicated, they basically were sent to hell, is what they taught. And you, you got excommunicated from the church, you couldn't take communion in the church, and you were on your way to hell, because they taught that there was no salvation outside of the Roman Catholic Church. That's what they taught. All these things. And then if a city got too much teaching contrary to Rome, then they'd put it under an interdict. And therefore, nothing could be done in that, church, in that city, like funerals, weddings, anything like that, and the people wouldn't have the last rites, and they wouldn't have all those things. And of course, last rites, we don't have that in the Bible either. But there's so many things that come in. But one of the greatest problems was, was that the Roman Catholic Church did everything in Latin. And, of course, that was a good idea at the base because it was an intellectual language and everybody everywhere could speak Latin, or they didn't really speak it, but they could use it. But anyway, but this Latin kept the scriptures away from the common people. The common people couldn't understand Latin. They didn't know Latin. And, and so nobody read the Bible. And of course, the doctrine of the Roman Catholic Church was that the individual cannot interpret the Bible. Is that the church has to interpret the Bible for them. And the church has to tell them what the Bible says. And see, that's a sad thing. In that movie you have there, uh, at one point in the movie... Somebody says, well, what if every plowboy had a Bible and was interpreting it for himself? And then the person answers, well, that'd be great. And that's what it was. We can interpret the Bible for ourselves. We don't have to be told. what We have to study it for ourselves. 
And so the Roman Catholic Church kept people in line, kept them in line. But you know, the Reformation happened when the fullness of the time was come. You know, Jesus came and was born of a virgin when the fullness of the time was come. But when the fullness of the time was come, the Reformation came. And there were things that led up to the Reformation. Things that happened in the 1400s that led up to it. And a big thing that happened in the 1400s was the invention of the printing press. And that made it so the Reformation doctrines were spread all over through printed material. And then in the 1400s, there was the fall of Constantinople. Constantinople had been the Eastern Roman Empire. That's modern-day Istanbul. But anyway, it was the Eastern Roman Empire, and it had reigned over there in the eastern part of the Mediterranean for a thousand years. But finally, the Muslims came in, toppled Constantinople. But the interesting thing about it was the language of Constantinople and of the Eastern Roman Empire was Greek. And they were the ones that preserved the Bible for a thousand years. There are monks in the monasteries, they preserved the Bible. And when that Constantinople fell, the monks and the priests, everybody fled to the West, and they brought their Greek Bibles with them. And then everybody got a hold of Greek Bibles. Erasmus came up with an edition of the Greek Bible. But anyway, they got a hold of the Bible through these people fleeing from Constantinople. And then what happened in 1492 on the ocean blue? Well, we have Columbus sailed the ocean blue. And that, that was a, a period of exploration. Things were opening up. And just before the Reformation was the Renaissance, the rebirth of knowledge. And people were uh, uh, thinking about things and, and delving into things. And so all those things led to the Reformation. And the fullness of the time was come. God sent forth his word, and they found the Bible. And it wasn't just with Martin Luther. It was with other reformers before him. The trouble was with the other reformers before him, they all got burned at the stake. They all didn't get very far. And uh, there was a famous reformer in, in Italy called uh, Savonarola, uh, one of the precursors of the Reformation. And you know, did you know that Michelangelo used to go hear Savonarola? And Michelangelo, when he painted the Sistine Chapel in Rome, he painted Savonarola in the painting. And today, Savonarola is looking down on the popes and has been for hundreds of years. But Savonarola preached the gospel, and what happened to him? He got burned at the stake. Because they couldn't brook any opposition to the Roman Catholic doctrines. And he preached salvation by faith alone, these five solas. And then there was the famous man, John Huss. And John Huss was a precursor in Bohemia, Czechoslovakia, over that area. And he preached the gospel. And the Roman Catholic Church invited him to defend his views. That's what they told him anyway. He came to defend his views, and then they put him in prison. 
And he had had a safe conduct from the emperor, but they negated that. They said that they didn't need to keep their word to an infidel, and they burned him at the stake. And, uh, you know, and then Wycliffe, uh, morning star of the Reformation, he got the ball rolling with translating the scriptures into English, and he died before they got a chance to burn him, but they dug up his bones and burned them later on. And, you know, the Roman Catholic Church would not brook any opposition. And the only way that Martin Luther was able to get going was because he had the support of Frederick, elector of Saxony. His, his local ruler there, Frederick, protected him. And the Pope tried to get him, the Roman Catholic Church tried to get Martin Luther, but Frederick uh, was his shield there and kept him going. And so God used that, and God worked a great work at the time of the Reformation. We need to remember these things in the past where God has done great works. And they went to the Bible, and then they got to translating the Bible. And that's a big thing, translating the Bible into people's own language. And people got burned at the stake for doing that. William Tyndale got burned at the stake for trying to translate the Bible into English. And they didn't want the Bible disseminated. They didn't want that. And that was a great thing. Let's go over to chapter 23 and verse 1. 23 of 2 Kings and verse 1. Now they found the book of the law. And the king sent, and they gathered unto him all the elders of Judah and of Jerusalem. And the king went up into the house of the Lord and all the men of Judah and all the inhabitants of Jerusalem with him and the priests and the prophets and all the people, both small and great. And he read in their ears all the words of the book of the covenant, which was found in the house of the Lord. And the king stood by a pillar and made a covenant before the Lord to walk after the Lord and to keep his commandments and his testimonies and his statutes with all their heart and with all their soul, to perform the words of this covenant that were written in this book. And all the people stood to the covenant. And the king commanded Hilkiah the high priest and the priests of the second order, the keepers of the door, to bring forth out of the temple of the Lord all the vessels that were made for Baal and for the grove and for all the host of heaven, and he burned them without Jerusalem in the fields of Kidron and carried the ashes of them unto Bethel. And then skip down to verse 7, well, just one verse here. And he brake down the houses of the Sodomites, which were by the house of the Lord, where the women wove hangings for the grove. Well, now that they found the book of the law, what did they do? Well, they read it. And they took it to heart, and it affected how they lived and how they worshipped. And the king and the people made a covenant that they would serve the Lord with their whole heart. They got saved through the book of the law. And that's what we do today, is serve the Lord with our whole heart and our whole soul, just like back here. And then when they got saved, they wanted to get rid of the sinful practices that had come in. And the traditions that had come in that were not scriptural. And so they took out all the vessels for Baal and for the grove, and they burned them. 
And they even had the houses of the sodomites there. You know, sodomites is nothing new. Homosexuals is nothing new. It goes way back to Sodom and Gomorrah. And did they give the sodomites equal rights or special rights? No. He break down the houses of the sodomites. But anyway, here was a great revival. We'll see more about this as we go through 2 Kings and come to this place. But it was a great revival here with Josiah. Uh, no, yeah, Josiah. It was a great revival with Josiah here. And Josiah had a great reformation, and he went around and got rid of all the evil things and put it down, and he was just like a hurricane going through. And that's how the reformation was. It was a hurricane going through to get rid of all the stuff that wasn't according to the Bible. And God blessed it, and it was the greatest revival. Well, when this revival was going on and this great reformation was going on, what was the Roman Catholic Church doing? Well, they were opposing it as much as they could. And they came up with the counter-reformation with Loyola. And they fought against the Reformation. They came up with the Jesuits. And the Jesuits fought against the Reformation. That was their basic job, the Jesuits at the base. And so, here we have the Reformation here with Josiah, Great Reformation in 1500s. Now let's go back to Hebrews. We read this in our responsive reading, and we want to go back there. Hebrews. We're remembering what God did 500 years ago. The 500th anniversary of the Reformation was just five years ago, 2017. And uh, here we have Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 32. Of course, it here talks about, we won't read everything here, it talks about the Old Testament heroes, the, the history what God did through David, through Jephthah, through Samson, all those people. And then it goes on to say what they did. Verse 33. Who through faith subdued kingdoms, subdued kingdoms. Well, this is talking about Old Testament times here in Hebrews, before Hebrews. But... These things have happened time and again through history, and especially at the time of the Reformation. They subdued kingdoms, the people that that had the Reformation. They subdued northern Europe. The Scandinavian countries became Protestant. Germany basically became Protestant. uh, uh, England became Protestant. And then the New World, uh, North America became Protestant. And they subdued kingdoms. They wrought righteousness. Holland was subdued under the Reformation. They used to have the preaching of the gospel in Holland, and they used to have the preacher there, and then all around the congregation they had men with arms to to defend the congregation. Uh, They had been a colony of Spain, and they were able to break away. But they subdued kingdoms, wrought righteousness, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions. Of course, that's going back to Daniel. They quenched the violence of fire. Well, finally, they got rid of burning people at the stake because they were Protestants. And, uh, you know, 
the, the Roman Catholic Church, a big thing they did to get rid of the Reformation was they brought in the Inquisition. The Inquisition. That was a really terrible blot. And did you know who authorized the Inquisition? Who put it in place? It was the Pope. And I always uh, say, you know, uh, if you believe the Pope is infallible, how could a Pope authorize the Inquisition? And the Inquisition authorized them to torture people that were Protestants or other people. Of course, it wasn't just Protestants, anybody that differed from the Roman Catholic Church, Jews or other people, but especially the Protestants. And they would torture them. When I was in Peru, we saw the place of the Inquisition in Peru. It was a Spanish colony, and we saw where they did the tortures, and they had big life-size models of the tortures. And, of course, they had the old-fashioned rack where they would stretch the people out. They'd hang them upside down with their hands behind their back. They would have the things that tighten on the throat. They would have every kind of imaginable torture that they did, pour water down the women's throats and drown them or whatever, and it was terrible. And, of course, you know, throughout history, why does one person torture another person? Well, that's the most graphic way to show that you have power over that other person. And so they had the Inquisition. And of course, the last thing with the Inquisition is that they would burn the people at the stake. And so that was all over with the Roman Catholic Church, especially in Spain, in Portugal, in South America, they had some of it, and they had it all around. And these people were able to quench the violence of fire, finally, through the Reformation. It didn't happen overnight. The Roman Catholic Church kept opposing it and opposing it for over a hundred years to try to get rid of it. And they made great efforts to get rid of it. Uh, of course, you remember the one great effort they made was the Spanish Armada. And they sent the Spanish Armada against Protestant England, England and Elizabeth. And it was a huge fleet of ships and armies. And it was, you know, it was like undefeatable. That England couldn't stand against it. Nobody could stand against this armada. But God stood against it. And God sent storms there as the armada was going, and half of it got scattered. They were halfway broken up by the time they got to England. And then God prospered the small English ships with the big Spanish ones. And the Spanish Armada was defeated. It was a miracle of God. And that was a great effort of Spain and of the Roman Catholic Church to completely put down the Reformation. Well, uh, besides that, uh, uh, the Roman Catholic Church made a bigger effort in, 16, in the 1600s. In the 1600s, there was the Thirty Years' War. And for 30 years, the Roman Catholic Church made its supreme effort to stamp out Protestantism. That was 100 years after Martin Luther. And they were still trying to stamp it out. But God blessed them, and they were able to quench the violence of fire. They were able to escape the edge of the sword. Out of weakness were made strong, waxed valiant in fight, turned to flight the armies of the aliens. 
And so God blessed in the Old Testament like this, and God blessed the Reformation even greater, uh, in a greater amount. And then verse 35, women received their dead raised to life again. That wasn't really with the Reformation. And that's, uh, God does miracles at certain times during history like that. And others were tortured, plenty of torture with the Inquisition, uh, with the opposition to the Reformation. Others were tortured, not accepting deliverance. And of course, always when they tortured, you could get out of the torture if you reneged on your Protestantism, if you renounced it. You wouldn't get tortured. And you remember in this movie that was given out, Martin Luther was before the Council of Worms. And he was there. And they wanted him to renounce what he had written. And he made his stand, and he said, I can't renounce it. And, of course, Frederick protected him. Otherwise, he would have been burned at the stake. But he couldn't renounce it. And then it goes on here. It says, and others were tortured. In verse 30, 36, and others had trial of cruel mockings and scourgings. Yea, moreover, of bonds and imprisonment. You know, sometimes people will say, well, you know, the Roman Catholics weren't the only ones that burned people at the stake. You know, we had the witches in Salem and all that. Well, the, 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 you know, the, the Protestants that burned people at the stake or, or killed people were very few. They were really pikers concerned, con, compared to the Roman Catholic Church. The, 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 the Protestants that, that, that put people to death were, were very few. But the Roman Catholic Church was into the thousands, into the millions, and it was a huge thing. And so here we had scourgings, moreover of bonds and imprisonments. Verse 37, they were stoned, they were sawn asunder, they were tempted, were slain with the sword, they wandered about in sheepskins and goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, tormented. Well, you know, the Lord gave me a dream, just, I don't know, I had a dream, anyway, that fit in with this message. And, you know, I had this, this dream that I got on the wrong side of some sort of a revolution. Well, anyway, with the revolution, uh, it failed. And then they were taking away all the property and goods of all the people that had supported it. And, you know, and then at, I woke up at the, at the climax of the dream when I was there, not knowing what to do. I didn't have any property. I didn't know where I was going to go. And that's how it was with these people, these Protestants. In France, especially. France, France was a battleground during the Reformation. And you had the Huguenots there. And at one time, it is estimated that one-third of France was Huguenot, was Protestant. And that's a big percentage. Uh, but finally, the Catholics got the upper hand in France, especially under Louis XIV and Richelieu. And uh, with Louis XIV, he amassed all power in the state to himself. He said, l'état c'est moi, 
which is the state, uh, I am the state. And he was the state all-powerful, and finally in 1689, this is probably when the Reformation was now fully established, 1689, Louis XIV decreed that the Protestants would all be expelled from France, they'd lose, they'd have to leave their property behind, they had to leave everything behind, and go to the ends of the world. And what were they going to do? Where were they going to They were scattered all over. Some of them came to the United States. There's a house there in, in Delaware, south of Middletown, and they used to have a shingle up in front of it called Huguenot House. And it, I'm sure it was constructed by one of these Huguenots that had fled from, from France in the late 18, 1600s and early 1700s. But anyway, those people in France, they fought back and forth. They had the wars of religion there. But finally, uh, the, the Protestants were put down. They, have a, they, they had what they called in France the church in the wilderness. And they were churches, people scattered out in the wilderness of France, destitute, afflicted, tormented. They have a museum in France the, for the church of the wilderness today. And they were just like this. They wandered about in sheepskins and goatskins because they wanted to follow the Bible. They wanted to follow God's word. And so it was a great thing that the Bible was translated, a great thing that people had the Bible. They used to burn Bibles. They used to take them. For, it used to be a crime to have a Bible. And they would burn the Bible. They would take them away. And they would put you in prison or burn you or whatever. But anyway, here we have the Bible today. Remember there with Josiah, I have found a book. In the Reformation, they found the Bible. Martin Luther, you'll see in that movie, he found the verse, the just shall live by faith. And that it's by faith we get to heaven not through our good works. And so we need to thank our ancestors. We need to thank those that paid the price in the past for our freedom. They paid the price that we have the Bible in English. They paid the price that we have the Bible at all. And they paid the price that we have, that we're able to follow the Bible that we're able to put it into practice in our daily lives. They, they paid the price that so we can go out door to door as we're going to do this coming Saturday. We have that freedom. And they paid the price for it. And you know, eternal vigilance is the price of liberty. And that's what has been said, and that's true. But you know, these people of the Reformation, they brought in all these things for us. And praise the Lord for that. So what should we do today? Well, today, we need to appreciate the gift that we have in this Bible. And so often, even of Christians, Bibles just gather dust. They're also the place where you store something that you want to hide from everybody because nobody will ever look there. And what we need to do is open up our Bible. We need to read it every day, study it, study to show ourselves approved. We need to appreciate that freedom that we have to study it, use that freedom, and put into practice the Bible from day to day. Let's bow in prayer. Oh Lord, we just pray that thou bless these thoughts to our hearts. We thank thee for the Reformation.
We thank thee for all the sacrifices that people did in the past. We thank thee for that. And, O oh Lord, we just pray that we might uh, put the Bible into practice in our lives, that we might read the Bible, that we might study it Bible, and we might appreciate it. In Jesus' name, amen.